Friends, family, welcome back to another Living Disciple podcast. My name is Mark, and today's subject is going to be God is not the God of the dead, but the living. Many of us deal with uh, this very sensitive subject, which is someone who is close to us, a friend, a family member, daughter, sister, mother, who died. And many of us deal with it very negatively. So I think today is a very sensitive subject. And so let's talk about it. Let's see what we can get with this. Before we continue with this show, I would love to invite you guys to become one of our sponsors on patreon.com slash livingdisciple. These funds will be used to continue to run the show and to support our missionary friends across the ocean. Their job is to make disciples in all nations. If this is something God is calling you to do and to become part of, then please do it by going to patreon.com slash livingdisciple. And now, guys, let's get back to the show. So I've talked about this subject previously a little bit, but today we're going to put a little different angle on it. Uh, the previous verse that I've used in the previous podcast was from Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. These were the words that Apostle Paul used. And I've talked about this a little bit just in reference to my own brother having cancer. And uh, many of you do not know, but we've lost a child as well uh, before the child was born, obviously. But we ourselves have dealt with death itself. And I've run into, ministered to people whom are, who were angry with God when their child has died. Uh, so this one example I'll share with you right now. I was in a prayer room. We started a prayer group, basically. And while in these, on, in these prayer groups, a, a man shows up by the name of William. And he had an issue with his leg. His knees specifically, I think there were pins maybe in his knees and maybe his ankles. Not quite sure, but I know there were pins. And every time winter comes along, his leg would flare up, meaning there, would be, there was a lot of pain. He wasn't able to walk without pain. So he walks in and he looked like he was in pain. So as usual, we pray. I, I see a person in need. I pray for the healing. And he stops us once we prayed for him like for a few minutes. And he stops us and he says, Mark, I need to talk to you. So while everybody else continued to pray over things, I went to a different room with William. And he straight up tells me, Mark, I have an issue with God. And it's like, what's the problem? So he tells me years back, many, many years back, his daughter died and he prayed to God. He begged God to keep his daughter alive. And her daughter, his daughter died. And so from that point on, he was angry with God. He was not on the same page with him. He just didn't care. To make the story, a long story short, I talked about a few things, but eventually God simply spoke to me and he said, tell him that he will get healed right now, not based on anything, just on the fact that he loves him. And I believe that. And I said, let's go inside and we're going to pray for you. You're going to get healed. So we go in. I, I, go, I go back to the group and ask the group, we're going to pray for William right now. And he, we're going to pray for his healing and he's going to get healed. 
And so we pray for him. And it's a little suspenseful because we pray and he gives us no reaction. And then we're all sitting there awkwardly looking at him uh, to the point of us kind of start to switch a subject because there's no reaction from him. And then suddenly he says a question, why? He gets up, starts walking around. We immediately understood that his legs are healed, that there is no more pain there. And he says, why? And I've told him, I was like, well, God spoke to me. He just said, this is for you just because he loves you. And that's it. There was no other message apart from that that I was supposed to tell him. After the prayer meeting, he was ecstatic. He was just so excited. He was calling his wife and then he's asking me to pray for his wife because she's a little sick. And after that point, the man turns to God again. William, that is. He turns to God. And so that's the story of, of love. And I love this passage in Romans chapter 8. Uh, this is in verse 31, and it goes all the way down to, I think, the end of the chapter. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Meaning, he did not spare his own son. This is how true to the depth that God loves us, right? And that's great. It, it encourages us. It blesses us. But then when it comes to these situations, maybe we are misunderstanding certain things about what death is. And it confuses us because we feel like God has failed us when we pray for someone to live. Why did you take my son? Or why did you take my daughter? Or why did you take my brother? If you love us, then why are you letting these things? Why are you permitting these things to happen? So that is the question. I want to specifically deal with the question of death here. And that's the subject that I want to cover today, which is God is not the God of the dead, but the living. At times we forget that death is not the end of all things i'm talking about our mortal bodies our mortal death which is our bodies and a great passage for this is obviously the name <laughs> the name tells you it's it this is written in mark 12 from verse 26 through verse 27 so let's read that but concerning the dead rising have you not read about the burning bush in the book of moses how god told him I am the God of Abraham and God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are badly mistaken. This is, this is Jesus speaking to the teachers of the law. And he's telling them that he is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. In this case, he's responding to Sadducees who did not believe in the resurrection. We're not going to get into the differences between Pharisees and Sadducees other than that Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. And even today, this idea that death is the end of all things still prevails because it's so natural for us to believe that death is the end of all things. And there is nothing more beyond that. 
That is our natural inclination as humans, that death is the end. But Jesus responds, and what does he say that uh, he names Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in this case? They've been dead for a long, long time, and he's telling them, you know, he's telling them that God is the God of the living. Why is he referencing people so long, long ago? These names have been forgotten, meaning from the sense of relating to these people. Like there is no relationship between Sadducees and Jacob as far as personal relationship is considered here. They never talked to them. They never heard him speak. They were just people on the pages of the Bible. And that's all it is. Unless Jesus means something here, and he literally does, and to really kind of explain this uh, to the next level, I should say, let's read from Luke number 9, verse 30 and 31. And this is when Jesus appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration. And here's what it says over here. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in a glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Suddenly, this draws a different picture. Like, I've heard many people speak about, you know, near-death experience or after-death experience, however you want to call it, is that they went to heaven and they were just simply there and they came back. It was so wonderful there. Uh, and these are the type of stories that start to influence us that heaven is this place that's separate from us completely and the things up in heaven aren't concerned about things down here below. And so these stories start to spread in the church and it even starts to influence me until I rec recognize and realize, wait a minute, that's just not true. Look at what Jesus is doing here and look at what the situation here is. Moses and Elijah are alive because Jesus is a living creature at this point, meaning as a mortal man in a physical body. And he's talking to Moses and Elijah. And, he, and they're talking about things that are about to happen, meaning that Moses and Elijah are aware of what's about to happen, meaning they are concerned or they are aware of it and they want to be part of it in some way, some fashion. And they're talking to Jesus and Jesus is speaking to them about it. He's speaking to them. Here's what's going to happen. It completely brings a new, a different view, I guess, of what is death look like. Well, what did death look like for Moses? Well, Moses is observing. And I'll bet you Moses is even talking because we see that Moses is talking to Jesus about it. There might be a separation between us mortal, those who still have our bodies, I, should, I shouldn't say mortal, but those who have our bodies and those who are in heaven, there might be the separation, but the life itself continues. And when I say life, I mean conversation, I mean personal, relational life continues. It does not stop. Right? But we assume that somehow when we die, everything sort of stops for us and there's no more. But that only stops on this earth, meaning they can't come here and we can't go there. 
And there's a reason for that. Uh, it is due to our nature. Like, I, I love what Apostle Paul speaks. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You can read the whole chapter. But he speaks about certain things in our nature, who we are. And I'll read this to you, 2 Corinthians 5, 3-5. Because when we are closed, we do not, we do not want to be found naked. Right? Because the way God made us, He did not make us just spirits. But He made us flesh with a spirit together, joined. And that the intention of God creating humanity was for it to be as a whole. And the whole human being is a body and a spirit together. And we, don't wanna, we do not want to separate that. And that's what He is speaking about. Let's continue to read it. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened. Because we do not wish to be unclosed, but to be closed instead, instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up, swallowed up by life. Man, wow. Talk about these verses. It's speaking about our mortal body, meaning this, this is temporal. It, it is mortal. It, it shall die. And he's literally saying our mortal nature even has to be swallowed up by something eternal, right? Which is, that's why it says, swallowed up, swallowed up by life itself, meaning life is eternal. And he says, we human beings have to be swallowed up. We want to be swallowed up by life to have life everlasting. It, it's so powerful. So it's a transition when our mortal bodies die but the intent is for us to be swallowed up by life, something that is eternal. And some, some body, which is still, we are found naked. And he says, we will not be found naked once we receive this glorified body. That's what the intent here is. And this is where a lot of our uh, feelings come from about death. We do not want to lose our body. But the life continues and we, we forget that even when we're spirits, and this is what Jesus says to the Sadducees, and he says, God is not the God of the dead, but of the living, meaning there's still a conversation happening there. And Paul himself says, I would rather, of 2 Corinthians 5, 8, we are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. What does that mean other than I want to hear him speak personally to me. Because right now it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who speaks to us, not Jesus himself. But it is the Holy Spirit that's speaking, carrying, carrying on Jesus' ministry right now on earth. And so Apostle Paul says, I want to hear him personally. Meaning that the, the life continues. It's just you lose your body. And that's what the issue here is and we lose perspective of that or maybe we never had that perspective that when we lose someone that life continues and what does that mean so sometimes we think well what does that give me so he dies and that's it and that nothing happens after that well does it or does it not imagine a life not just a life of the dead with the living but the life of everybody's living is just some are simply apart from their body at this point. Does not that relationship continue? For example, if you read Joshua, it is interesting 
right? It is very interesting that Joseph received two allotments, and it was his two sons. You can read Joshua and those God's time to divide things. What difference does it make? I mean, this is like generations upon generations later. Joseph died. His sons died, right? But yet, why is it that they get two allotments? Joseph, that is. Unless Joseph is alive and he still has a relationship with God and he still stands before God. And when God promises him, he promises to those who are living, not the dead. If Joseph was really dead, then there is really no connection there anymore. It's just simply a dead promise. Meaning God is only simply responding to him, his own self. Unless, no, I'm responding to someone that is living, to someone that is standing in front of me, and someone that I love. So to say that someone died in our family is not the end. That person who died, now he is with Jesus. And he's having that relationship with him. And at times, as we see in the case of Joseph, you receive blessings. You literally receive blessings because he is there because of his lineage, because of God's promises. As we read in um, uh, Hebrews 11, right? Most of the heroes of faith, they died, right? It said they died with promise, the promises that God gave them not being fulfilled in their lifetime. Because God intended to continue to have that relationship with them, even if when they lose their mortal bodies. And so hopefully maybe this sort of starts to give you a different angle of, of how do we deal with death? How do we understand when God's saying, I am not the God of the dead, but of the living? Meaning that if your son dies, right? It's not in vain. That that son, that daughter, that brother, there's not before God and God has a relationship with them. And God hears their requests. And he honors the requests. And it, as it says, God hears the prayer of the righteous. If we apply that concept or the idea for the full spectrum, meaning that he hears the requests of the righteous. And if that righteous one is in heaven and God calls us, those who are in heaven are righteous already, meaning that's a given already, then he hears the requests. And is he not going to respond? And that's what he speaks about in Romans 8. That if he loves us, will he not give us the things that he wants? What, what, what the things that we need, I should say, because there is a point here. Uh, uh, because in verse 37 of Romans 8, it's very interesting. Uh, sorry, let me go back. R verse 35, yes. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword separate us from the love of Christ, which is the verse 35 in the beginning. Sword meaning death. And as we see many times, death is the separator, is what separates us because maybe some people misunderstood what death is. And they think that death is the end of all things, but God is the God of the living. And when somebody dies, they're going to Jesus, as, as Apostle Paul says in Philippians, right? 
To die is to gain. He's not going with sadness. He's going like, no, I'm gaining something, guys. It's like, you don't get it. It's better for me to go. I want to go. But we somehow reverse that and it, is, it becomes like the saddest moment in our life. It is sad for a moment, meaning that I am not going to have a relationship with that person, a close relationship that I did. That I now have to wait to see them later on. But the idea that we make this thing into this, uh, into an extremely negative situation that is to the point that it's over. It's not over. And, and, and I like that he says that we are more than conquerors. And that's verse 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. More than conquerors, meaning even death itself doesn't stop you. Because you already know that God gave you life. And life everlasting. He has given you life Meaning anyone who dies and receives Jesus in their heart receives life, right? They receive life. That is the most important thing. All other things are not, as you say sometimes, they're not our, they're not our needs, but they might be our wants. And even our needs sometimes are in question. It is God's sovereignty ultimately that rules in all decisions, and we should honor that. But... When we speak about simpler things, it's like, I want this versus I actually need this. And sometimes our wants aren't quite on the top of the food chain. But guess what? It's God's sovereignty, meaning that even God's, even your wants, God will prioritize even over your needs. Okay? So it truly is just simply, what is your relationship with God? And how do you, how seriously do you take Jesus and his words? Because ultimately that's what matters. It doesn't even matter if it's your want or your need. What matters is that, how close are you to God? Are you close enough to say, for me to die is to gain. I finally will see the one who speaks through me through the Holy Spirit. I finally will see him. I will finally talk to him face to face. Are you far away from him to the point that a lot of these things will separate you from Jesus' love? So hopefully this kind of gives you a little different perspective on um, what is, how do we to deal with death? And I've talked about a few things here, so hopefully those things encouraged you, blessed you with some information. I gave you some Bible passages to read again and really contemplate and chew on that but other than that guys thank you for listening for this podcast and i'll see you guys next time god bless you